Well, welcome everybody to Journey Live. We're just so excited to, that you're joining us this evening. Um, I'm here with these four special people, Jeffrey, Paul, Rodriguez, Woo! Dustin Credible. That's his uh, alter Yay. ego. That's right. That's the, the man of darkness. That's not his alter ego. That's his real ego. Yeah. His real ego. <laughs> and of course, the one and only Kim Riedel. Well, it's not Riedel Rodriguez anymore, but... Kim Riedel. I have to get used to saying that. Yeah. We got yeah. rid of the Rodriguez hashtag. <laughs> yeah, we got rid of that. So, <laughs> but uh, how are you guys doing? What have you guys been doing lately? I just got back from Mount Shasta. I was gone for about 10 days. Super cool. And so I'm back into the swing of things, getting back into being home. And uh, it was good to be up there, but it's good to be home and back with my girls. So they, they stayed home and I was up seeing my dad. So. Uh, it's good to get back into life uh, in Camarillo. Yeah, it's so beautiful up there. What about you, Dustin? Are you? I am a puzzle master now. I've been knocking out puzzles left and right. We have this, I guess, I'm going to call it a puzzle gang, so it sounds a lot tougher. With me and uh, the Winnikins, we, we're just knocking out puzzles. So I'm. How many? Like, probably honestly. since this whole pandemic started, I'm like. 12 puzzles maybe 13 puzzles including kyle yates his amazing photo puzzle so nice. yeah well it's a lot of fun i truly <laughs> don't have a, a patience for that it took, it took me like four months to do a puzzle so yeah. that's awesome what about you kim how are things going on with uh with you we're um we're soaring up here on the heights um just living the good life. I've been working out a little bit. Uh, did a 10-mile bike ride this morning. That was fun. A little bit of prayer. Teaching a class. Kind of just uh, trying to make the best of of the situation. So. Yeah, I think so. I think so many of you just uh, maybe you guys can tune in and uh, write down what you guys have been up to. Maybe you've been doing puzzles or more exercise. Uh, or whatnot. I'm actually learning some cooking recipes. I'm doing doing a little bit more of that. Some home a lot more. And nice. so yeah, let us know what you guys are up to. But I'm gonna move forward and I want to dive into a fairly controversial topic. And I don't think it's controversial as it used to be, right? I think it's it's definitely things have changed. But there still is a lot of debate and opinions about this, depending on what denomination or what church you belong to. But the question I want to kick us off tonight is, do women belong in ministry? And I know, Kim, our guest, I know you were a missionary in Mexico, I think, for over a decade. Was it 12 or 14 years? Yeah. How long were you there for? A long time. 14 years, yeah. Yeah, and I know that you kind of encountered some resistance and some things about that, and, and people maybe didn't accept that at first. But I would like for you to kind of present your case or kind of the what you what you feel about that or that question yeah sure um it's really interesting because when i was a new believer i was involved with a very conservative group um who didn't believe in women and in, in leadership especially in the church and so um I, they kind of taught me those key passages that most churches you know talk about how you know that you know that that women should not speak in the church and there's there's a there's a couple in corinthians and there's one in but um, so that that's that's how I got my start um, in the church. And so when I went down to Mexico um, as a missionary, it was more as a teacher. I was just teaching kids and kind of doing those those kinds of things. 
Well, what happened is at a certain point, um, my pastor down there um, saw a gift in me and saw God doing something special in my life. And he invited me to preach um, a message. And uh, one of the men um, in the church, when they realized that I was going to preach, actually got up and left. And I felt really intimidated. I'm out. And it was really hard. It was really hard. And um, it was fascinating, though, because the following Sunday when um, my pastor was back in town, he publicly defended me before everybody. He's like, this is my pulpit. I invited her to preach. I believe in her. Like, he totally backed me up. And that was such a blessing. Um, but I think, um, I think it has been challenging for me. But I, I also feel like, um, you know, God is doing something uh, special in our times and he is calling, he is inviting women um, into, into ministry. And he's, I think he's looking for us to, to partner side by side with each other. You know, um, and there's a fascinating scripture um, that's in Galatians and it says, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. And so that that's a really, really fascinating scripture to me. And I think even in the times where we're living in, you know, where there's been like kind of women have been rising up because maybe they felt oppressed, not only in the church, but in society. Um, we're, we're seeing, you know, some division, racial division going on. But um, but in Christ, we can all be one, you know. And so um, it has been a little bit challenging as a woman to be in ministry. But I feel like uh, time and again, God has validated that he's the one who called me into the ministry. He's given me the gifts he's given me. Um, and he has put me in a position to lead. And so I do it humbly um, in obedience to him. But um, I, it has been challenging at times, too, to um, I've experienced both. I've experienced, you know, a man getting up and walking out. But I've also experienced men who've encouraged me and supported me and validated me and, and have, you know, gotten behind me 100 percent. So that's been a, a beautiful experience. And so um, I know it is controversial, but I also think that um, that things are changing. They're changing, but there's there are certain denominations that are still very much, you know, against um, women being, especially in leadership, not so much in ministry, because they don't mind if women are in children's ministry or if women are in women's ministry, but like to say be a head pastor of a church or something, that's where it gets a little bit more, more dicey. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a fun adventure and. The last thing I wanted to say is I, I read a book about this, which really helped me a lot um, when I was kind of struggling whether I was doing the right thing. And um, one thing that they brought up is that in the Old Testament, Deborah was a prophet and a judge. And so she was like the main leader at that time in history. And so if in the Old Testament, you know, um, a woman could lead in that capacity, you know, why not? you know, in, in modern times in the New Testament era. So I really like that point because I found that to be super encouraging. Um, so, yeah, I, I believe women are supposed to be in ministry, and I encourage women 
in that area. But I do also believe God established an order. You know, um, he created men and women with different gifts. And so I think we're supposed to work together and men, you know, there, there is a, like a mutual submission and there is a working together in it. So that's my take on it. Oh, well, thank you. I know that's going to encourage so many women out there. There's, uh, there's so many gifted women in the, in the church, even like Shelby, Jeff's daughter just seems, and Alyssa, and they just seem like they have kind of an anointing and a, and a giftedness upon them. And, you know, we wouldn't want to stifle the Holy Spirit, but we're going to explore this question in further detail and kind of a little bit more tonight. But, uh, if you're with us, uh, you can open up Romans to Romans 16, 1 through 16. This is our, we're almost to the end. This is our second to last. Uh, part, and then we're going to move on to looking at the Psalms. But I wanted to give you guys some overview. So if you have a Bible or, or an app, you can open to that right up right now. But what we see is Paul, is, he's wrapping up his letter to the church in Rome, and he's sending his personal greetings to all his friends in Rome who deserve some kind of recognition, or they've worked hard for the gospel. And to be honest, when I first read this, it kind of slowly dawned on me that Paul was a team player. For whatever reason, I had this mentality that he was this John Wayne type of figure. He was this, it was just him versus the world, right? He was like this cowboy and he worked alone, like you would see kind of in the movies, right? Like a Rambo or a character is just, they work by themselves. They operate by themselves and that's the way that, that they are. But I'm sl- it slowly dawned on me that nothing can be further from the truth. Because we have this little nugget, this little passage that it gives us great insight into his life, into some of his friendships, into some of the people who supported him. And what's unique about this passage is it gives recognition both to men and women who were co-workers or who shared uh, a part of that ministry with them. Some of them were even Jews, some of them were Gentiles. And it's just a beautiful picture of that uh, Galatians verse that, Kim shared, right, of like, of this church that is unified and there's neither Greek nor Jew nor barbarian or Scythian or male or female. It just seemed like they were just working and cooperating together in oneness. Not that they they didn't have any any problems, but um, it's just kind of a, a nice picture with that. But what we're going to do is we're going to put up our text and Kim is going to kick us off in Romans 1. We're going to read 1 and 2. Um, Romans 16.1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deaconess in the church in Centria. Welcome her in the, in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever way she needs, for she has been helpful um, to many, especially to me. So, and, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, so who is Phoebe and why is she important to Paul? It's like he just begins his letter with with, uh, with her. Yeah, um, well, according to the scripture, it says that she was a deaconess. Another way to translate that word in the Greek is servant. Um, and some people even believe that she was a, she was a leader, that she presided over many. Um, other words that describe her is that she was protecting that she was um, one who oversees the affairs of others, a champion defender. 
and she had great status. Um, a, a heroic woman and most likely quite wealthy. Um, she was a blessing to others. And did I forget to read part of it? Did I leave a verse off? No, I think you did. I um, think you read it. Yeah. Um, I guess there's, I guess she was, she was bringing the letter, right? To the church. Is that in the next section? Yeah. 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 Okay. So she was, she was a leader. And, um, so it's interesting. Yeah. That he started with her. Yeah. Actually, it's, we don't see it right now, but I believe she carried this letter, the Roman letter, the, the epistle to the church, which is pretty amazing. I know some people, Romans is your favorite book or epistle and Paul actually entrusted her with this because uh, she seemed like a wealthy woman you know that she had business there and so I think that's pretty interesting like that you would trust someone with that you know like your well what kind of honor is that that's great honor to think about it that's like a messenger from Paul and she's carrying a message from Paul the messenger was almost important you know acting like it was from Paul so it's a pretty big honor yeah Yeah. It, it really is and I mean, I just think, like, what does this really tell us about women in ministry that Paul would write about her and kind of her service in that? Well, I love that you use the word honor. And I feel like honor is really something that's lacking um, in our culture in these days. And I feel like if we honor one another, you know, whether we're men, whether we're women, whether we're older, whether we're younger, um, yeah, that he 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 set the tone. It's like treat her with honor. She's valuable to me. She's helped me. Um, she's going to deliver this letter for me. So please show her honor and show her some hospitality too. I think it says in another part. Um, so yeah, it's just um, it's a beautiful commendation on her part by Paul. Yeah. I was thinking about women in ministry and just some kind of interactions that I had. And I remember, and I'm just going to not say any names to protect the innocent, but uh, uh, there was a moment where we were kind of going through this conversation about women in ministry and we we're kind of in this council meeting. And uh, there was this pretty robust debate. And this one person in the meeting said, show me in the Bible. And he was like, just breaking down. He actually got his Bible out. I actually just blew his cover because I said it's a he. So I kind of narrowed half the people. And show me in the Bible what it, where it says about women from uh, in leadership in the Bible and preaching. And so a couple people were there and he's got his Bible and he kind of puts it down on the table. And he says, from Genesis to Revelation. And somebody else chimed in and said, well, what about Deborah? And just started listing off all these names. And the guy's mouth dropped. And he couldn't believe all the names that were being rattled off by someone. And it's interesting because a lot of times, oh, it's not that much scripture or text in it. But as I was sitting here thinking about it, you know, Genesis creation story, we're really big on as Christians. There's only one chapter. Genesis 1 and 2 is two chapters, but it's basically telling the same story. But there's only one chapter about creation. There's just a little bit of text on it. And we still utilize it very heavily and rest on it as Christianity. There's a lot of text about women in ministry, a lot of text that really show the value of that and how important they are. So I don't know. I was just thinking about that. I feel like God is challenging me to say it out loud because it's important. There's a lot of text 
and it shows that women are more valuable than just maybe uh, children's ministry and some other lesser than ministries in the sense that they can't be uh, elevated to a higher level. Does that make sense? You know. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And that's what happens when you just read your favorite scriptures like he probably did. He just read those scriptures. And when you when you read a scripture like this, it clearly shows you in plain sight that, hey, like she was a, a high level high level kind of person, you know, high level uh, leader in a sense that she was set over others. She was even helped Paul in many sense. And so I, I think that was really, really uh, good and really interesting. But we're going to move on. I don't know if uh, people have any questions in the chat or people would like to ask some questions about that or they have questions for Kim, but we're going to be trying to answering those along the way. And Dustin will be looking at that, but we're going to keep moving on and to our next section that um, that J Rod's going to read. Let me put All that right. up there for everyone. It says, "Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila." Sorry, I'll wait for everybody. <laughs> Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in ministry of Christ Jesus. And in fact, the once they risked their lives for me, I am thankful for them. And so all the Gentile and to all the Gentile churches. So also give my greeting uh, to the church that meets in their home. So I love this place. This is a great story. If you haven't seen this story in the Bible about these two. And once again, just to call it out in the Bible, names in order have great meaning. Look at all the uh, genealogies in Matthew chapter one and a ton in the Old Testament. In the genealogy, that name has meaning and value and how that name was put in order has value. And here they see the lady that is named first, uh, uh, Priscilla, and that means something. And if you do a little bit of study through the Apostle Paul, this woman was a leader of the church. Her husband was kind of the co, but he was more behind the scenes and Aquila was more uh, impactful. There was a movie that came out a couple of years ago about the Apostle Paul, and it shows what a powerful person that Priscilla was. She was probably the better speaker. She was probably the more uh, uh, minister or shepherd or discipler. And so she was caring for people and really doing most of the work. And uh, her husband was uh, uh, there to support and doing a house church. But it shows that her name first really has a lot to do with uh, her being a leader in the church. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's pretty cool to see that even how they were this like pastoral team that worked together. They traveled, they did tent making, they just moved all over the place. And in some sense, they almost seemed like they were apostles. You know, I'm not sure if they were officially recognized, but uh, this this team, they were the ones that uh, that pulled Apollos aside. Right. Apollos was this amazing speaker. Some uh, people even believe he was a better speaker than Paul, but he wasn't speaking entirely. Uh, things that were accurate. And so they pulled him aside and they both taught him a way that was more accurate. And we see that in the scripture, which is amazing. And and then Apollos became, he just became better because of that. But I was kind of fascinated about how ministry and marriage kind of works together. And I want to ask Jeff and, and Dustin about that. Like, how does that, how can they work together? Does that, is there a conflict there or can there be something uh, good from that? That's good. Hey, Dustin, why don't you go first and then I'll go second if you don't mind. No, sure. Yeah, I mean, ministry and marriage, there's a reason why uh, in the beginning of the creation story, what J-Rod was just talking about, like 
woman was created. It complements a man. So I feel through ministry, you have your own strength. So I have my strength and Steph has her strength. And we've learned throughout the years in this whole ministry process how to grow together and utilize those strengths that each other have. So she has more compassion than I have. So I know when I have a problem and I need someone to show a little more compassion in the situation, I can call on her to then minister better than I could at that time. So she's able to be my strength and my weaknesses. And the same would go for her. She knows to call me for, for different things. And it's been amazing seeing the growth uh, that each of us can, can work on together because it's not going to be a perfect fit. Uh, if you notice a lot, a lot of teams, um, will have some times where they have to get used to each other. Uh, it works for all sports teams. It takes some time to figure out who's going to go where, who does what, who can work together really well. So it's a process. You learn to play off of each other's strengths and weaknesses. But I feel as you are binded together in ministry, uh, the kingdom's going to strengthen up just because you're able to hit two different sides that you normally wouldn't be able to on your own. That's good. I, you, you lost me at your compassionless. Is that yeah. what you said? <laughs> Part of it's a dark heart here. <laughs> oh man, some really good questions online. We're going to get to those at the end if we can. Some were personal of Kim, so maybe we'll have Kim reach out. But um, yeah, women uh, or women, you know, and men in ministry working together. Uh, I'll be honest with you. If Liz was here, I was terrible at this at the beginning. There was a couple of ministry events. My first time as a leader at church, where she's like, "I'm going to strangle you." I want to leave right now and run home. And she goes, the only reason why I wouldn't is I'm embarrassed to leave, but I'm embarrassed to be here with you because I was terrible. I was terrible. I had about 15 people ready, ready to help me. And Liz is like, get these people working. And I'm running back and forth, sweating and struggling and got a message to do and all this stuff. And uh, I remember 15 years ago, she's like, this is terrible. I, Jeff, I don't ever want to work with you in ministry because you do not know what you're doing. Now, it's changed a little bit. She still might say some of that. <laughs> but the truth is, it. I love what Dustin said, is you have these strengths and weaknesses. And even in the church body, we have gifts. And, and some have bigger gifts and stronger gifts than others. And we need that to really grow. And Liz has a really good connection to God. She was the one that heard God to start the church. A couple of different times, she's led me into a place of, of betterment for the kingdom of God and the church. So yeah, it works if you allow it to work. Jesus says he is the mediator. And when Jesus mediates, he brings us together as a ministry couple, just like he would Dustin and Kim and Jeff's going to be married soon. And uh, he brings uh, the, the couple together and allows them to do greater work. Two is better than one. You see that in the Bible. It says that we are co-equals and that we have this responsibility to do good work. And I know Liz constantly has been a blessing to me and kind of my number one fan coaching me, also picking me up when I'm kind of down. So yeah, it's it's not easy at all. And she works full time. She's a nurse working full time like Stephanie. So to come home and have to deal with church sometimes is really hard, but it is possible. So. Yeah, I don't know what it is about the journeyman, but the journeyman figured out a way to make the women work and, and the men cook and stay at home and enjoy the good life, you know. God is good. Yeah, you know, that is good. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> I don't know why that is, but it's good. So, but, uh, we're gonna, should we answer some of those questions now or wait to the end? We got any 
Yeah, there's one about Kim with Mexico. Uh, it's up to, to her if you want to cover that at the end, Kim, or is that something you want to go over right now? Sorry, I'm not online, so I can't yeah. see the questions. Someone asked if you can share an amazing thing that happened in all the years you were ministered in Mexico. Sure, I'll do that at the end. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, we'll give you some t- chance to think about that, but we're going to move on to our next section. Uh, Destin is going to uh, read this next part. Right. I'm going to uh, just say it up front. I'm going to butcher these names, so forgive me. But it says, greet my dear friend, Apenetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who were in prison with me. They are highly respected among the apostles and became, became followers of Christ before I did. Greet Ampelitus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend, Stachus. Thank you for all those names. But, uh... <laughs> I, no, it's not easy. Better you than me. We all rochambeaued for that, and Destin lost, dude, so... Uh, uh, J-Rod had mentioned a little bit ago about the genealogy, and I know a lot of people, when they see names like this just stated in a row, they'll skip over it, and I... I know that because I was one of the people that did that, but now I know the significance of what it is stating these names and uh, kind of what Barnett was talking a little bit ago. I envisioned Paul as this lone wolf, but he's actually talking about his friends right here and people that he has served in ministry with people that have helped him and taught him along the way. And at the same time, people that he has taught as well. So we're able to see some outstanding ministry leaders that were just listed which were each both men and women. Um, I mean, the first person that he states, and I think this is someone we should follow for a little bit, is a penitent, and that means a praiseworthy. That's what his name stands for. He was the first person from Asia to become a follower of Christ. That's a, a huge deal. And I imagine Paul spent many hours ministering to him and pouring his life into him, teaching him along the way. He talks about Mary, who's a hardworking woman that did a lot of great works throughout the body. There was other people that, that Adronicus and Junia who were outstanding among the apostles. And I think this is a really cool story, too, that both of them were outstanding, which means the apostles labeled them as that. And that stands as significance as we read through it more and more, because that could mean this is under a lot of uh, deliberation, but that Junia was a woman recognized as an apostle. So you guys can research that on your own and dig more into the history on that side of things. Um, but we get to see pretty much how Paul goes and he lives life with these people. And uh, one person in particular that I was keen on is a penitist that uh, he really spoke life into him. And it made a big difference. Yeah, that's so much is in there. And you know what? When I was what I just was thinking right now is it's kind of sad, but you hear of a lot of pastors and people on the top leadership not a- actually having a lot of friends, which is which is weird. And it's just something that I can't imagine leading a church or or an organization not having uh, friends, right? And and you just like look at this and just the rich friendships and relationships that Paul had in order to do that and to do ministry. And I'm just thankful that I get to be friends with you guys because it's uh it you know ministry can be tough and and grueling, but when you have those friendships that that understand that, it can truly um, mean the difference between 
burning out or or going the distance. But uh, one thing that you pointed out, Dustin, of, is a uh, penitus, right? This this first follower, uh, this first person from Asia. I would just had this kind of this question of how would you disciple, you know, the first believer in an entire region? What would you do? What would you teach them? There's a lot to teach them. I'd go back to the teachings of the best teacher of all time and Jesus. I would just try to do exactly as how he taught his disciples. So what did he do? He traveled together with his disciples. He shared meals. He uh, used his teachings daily to try to make an impact on their lives. And in hope of that unpacking all that information is that that would become second nature then. So you have to take them to square one. You go over detailed, you over prepare, so you don't have to continue going back. So I would teach, preach, and encourage this disciple in their faith, make it a personable experience. You're showing this person who this is brand new to them, how to devote their entire lives over to Christ and the benefits from it. And then you're teaching them communication skills, how to go off and do the same type of thing. Uh, what happens when everything hits the fan? You are living life with this person. So you set them on a, a course of success by using the same model that Jesus used. Like I stated, uh, rely on God to do the work within you. And then I believe Paul went and did this, which is stated. He'd come and he'd check on his vessels from time to time to make sure everything's going good. Like, are you guys still praying? What's going on over here? Why do I have to come put this fire out? So he lived life with them. He helped teach them and explain to them. And then he would continue to come back and double check on them. That's a, a true disciple maker. Yeah, that is. I know, Kim, you you were a missionary in Mexico. We talked about that. How would you, what would you do to disciple kind of the first believer? Well, I think um, one interesting experience that I had in Mexico um is I, I had the privilege of uh, meeting some people who were, who were, who were tricky. They were indigenous people from Oaxaca. And, um, so even though I was discipling them, I was teaching them scripture and I was, you know, um, praying with them and all those kinds of things, but they were teaching me about their culture. They were helping me to understand like how the tricky, what the tree, what was important to the tricky people. And why a lot of them were leaving Oaxaca because there was violence. And so I think um, if, you know, if you're discipling the first person in a region, it's like there's almost this mutual um, learning that's going on because they might be teaching you language and culture and maybe, you know, how to better reach, you know, that people group. And then you're teaching them the things of the kingdom of God and, you know, how to pray and worship and those kinds of things. So. Um, I'm sure it was challenging, you know, for Paul and I know, but I, I, I personally found it fascinating, um, to work with people that had such a different way of living and thinking than I did. Um, and so you, you have to be culturally relevant when you're working with people. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I would do is I would kind of get to know that region and that culture so that, um, I could make the gospel relevant to them. What was that couple's name? Um, that was Fernando and Alejandra. And they actually started a Bible study and started teaching other people. Yeah, eventually he, I trained him and then he, 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 he taught in Triki and they made me a hand woven, um, it's called the Wibil. It's their, um, their native garb. And, um, it was a beautiful gesture. It was, I was really touched by that. And so, yeah, that's. 
That's what I so cool. You wouldn't think about that, but you need to be taught their culture and all those things. It's not just a one-sided relationship. Like you're both learning from each other. I I would never even think of that, you know, but that could save you years and years of mistakes and, and not being culturally uh, relevant into that, into that thing. But we're going to wrap up the last part and we're going to get to the questions. Um, I know some, a lot of you guys have some questions. You can just keep putting those in the chat and we'll, we'll get to that. Yep. And um, we'll read this last part. I greet Apelles, a good man whom Christ approves, and give my greetings to the believers from the household Arista Wallace. I greet Herodian, my fellow Jew, greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. Give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa, the Lord's workers, and the dear Persis, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus, I've always liked that name. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own. And also, oops, and also who has been a mother to me. Give my greetings to Asyncritus, Philagian, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Philegas, Julia, Neresis, and his sister, and to Olympus. And to all the believers who meet with them, greet each other with a sacred kiss. All the churches of the Christ send you their greetings. Boy, if you need some uh, names for um, for your kids or uh, new babies. I'm the grandkids' names right there, dude. Dustin, <laughs> Dustin, you act like you had some names to go through. That was just a list yeah. of quotes. Thank you, God, for inventing Bob and Jeff and Joe. and. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get these people. They name their children multiple syllables. Let's just keep it simple, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Jack, Jill. But um, it's pretty cool because as we close this passage, you know, we, we see Paul recognizing more people. But it's interesting. Um, I put in brackets what their names um, can kind of be rendered to. And we see the diversity of the early church and the backgrounds of some of its members, right? Like some of these names, they, they told a lot about their origin from Tryphena and Tryphosa, which had this uh, connotation of, of overindulgence or luxurious living, you know, that kind of worldly living, or Persis, who meant Persian. She was a Persian woman. Hermes was the name of a Greek god. Olympus, heaven descended. And so we have all these uh, just groups of people because Rome was a cosmopolitan city. Um, people from all over the world lived there and had uh, various backgrounds. But I highly re recommend, I know like Dustin was saying earlier that we tend to go over these names, but to check out some of the names uh, in the Bible, you can go to Bible Hub and look up the Greek and and see what the names actually mean because they can tell you a lot. And and when someone would be named, like for instance, Jacob, would, which meant like subplanter, it has a lot, to, a lot of um, background to their uh, character and so we don't want to definitely don't want to miss that but i also want to take note that the early church consisted of community groups that meant in homes the early church didn't have a, a centralized building for a few hundred years and we see these groups that paul addresses um he he addresses like whole households like aristobulus or the household of narcissists and he even after listing names he, he talks about the brothers and sisters who meet with them. So there was clearly divisions in different groups uh, of house churches going on there. But I love how Paul talks about them or talks or when he writes about them, talks about them as being one. 
So that's that's pretty cool. But I know today some people might assume that you know everything they did in the first century that we should do because everything they did was right, and that's not necessarily true. We shouldn't just copy and paste those things. And you know we got to keep in mind that they were uh, early Christians were severely persecuted. They were hated by the Roman Roman government, and yeah, it made sense to to meet in their homes and not in highly visible places where they could be persecuted. Even like the temples in those days were were really filled with idolatry. It's images, there's heathen activities, all sorts of things. So, so it's not like a church would want to rent out a, a pagan temple where there was like cult prostitution or things going on, like, uh, like whatnot. And so there's tons of things like that, tons of things that we could find. But I wanted to break down this whole thing of uh, what are some of the benefits of diversity in the church today? I want to talk about Jeff. I know, Jeff, you're probably one of the only Hispanic, I guess, preachers in Camarillo. In the world. In the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I wanted to plug this because I think you were saying something that was important. Uh, journey started in a home just like most many churches but one of the roots after 10 years we're coming up on 10 years is we're trying to expand community groups we want to expand and get the church back into the home it's a powerful place to do ministry we're going to be signing up those pretty quickly so just know community groups are a big part of church and they've shaped me immensely over the time that i've been in church so think about that it's important to do church at home um diversity in church is heaven to me, it's heaven. Think about what heaven's going to look like one day. And there's billions and billions of people that have already gone and it's going to be diversified. It's going to have all kinds of walks. It, you're going to be blown away by who's there and who's not, because a lot of times we don't realize who's going to be there and who's not. But diversity is important. And one of the things I love about Journey is we are a diversified church. We have all kinds of races and walks and we welcome everybody because the mission of loving the world one person at a time. And I've been in some conflict this summer with a couple of people. And it's like, you just don't love people into the kingdom. You've got to repent and you've got to do all these things. And all of that's true. But the truth is, uh, turning my, my, my away from my old ways into Christ is really a love action. It's a love place from the heart. So diverse, diversity helps us. And Kim gave us a great example of learning other people's cultures. I was taught you never quit learning until you meet Jesus in heaven, and then you don't need to learn because you have them. I think Odell spoke about that a week or two ago, but we keep growing all the way until the end. And when we are diversified, when we have a diverse culture and a diverse church, we are growing constantly. And right now, our society is, is, is screaming diversity, and our job as a church is to lead that, whatever that looks like. And I don't think there's a great answer right now. I think the Holy Spirit and the church needs to come together with text and grow through this time. Yeah. What about you, Dustin? I know you come from Fillmore, probably not the most what? diverse place. And so, yeah, I guess it's pretty diverse, but I don't know. What was, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, diversity is huge and it's, it's a hot button topic right now. Um, you know, I've been researching this a lot recently and it's going back. God created human beings, his own image uh, from Adam and Eve. All the people of the earth, various races, languages, personalities, passions, and perspectives, they're all created by God in this way. And we're all created to be together. Uh, the more diverse your church is, 
the more clearly that you can see God's image on display. I think mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing to, to take away from this. Uh, diversity also increases our sensitivity of our heart for God's people. Uh, it's a benefit when we start to feel for what other people are feeling. You begin to see people not as demographics, uh, but as family in the kingdom of God. And there's no better way to view than another person like that. By having more diversity, you will have a wider perspective. What J-Rod's talking about to see the problems of your community and the needs of this world. Uh, having more diversity will bring a, a bigger variety of gifts to your church body. Um, you, when you include different people from different upbringings and different backgrounds, whether it be cultural backgrounds, you open up to a whole new talent pool of a different style of worship. You get to hear speakers with different deliveries. You get to have leaders who face different challenges who know how to speak life into one another better than other people do. So we need to be overprepared and oversaturated with information so we know the best way to then go out and minister into the kingdom. And the best way to do that is to be well-rounded in all these different cultures. Uh, so I think it, the more diverse your church is, the better prepared you are to go off and minister to as many different people as you can. I would drop this, but they don't want me to because it's too expensive and I can't yeah. afford it. But that was a mic dropper. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe so. I know. Diversity is an amazing thing. It's not always easy. There's there's conflicts and struggles that come with that because our natural instinct is to be afraid of what we don't understand or what's even different, right? And it's sometimes it's hard for us to accept or understand people who may be different than us, right? Or even have a little bit of a different twist or or maybe different. Um, it's the same faith, but there maybe their expression is a little bit different, right? Even with denominations and whatnot, but. I wanted to get to the, our, uh, the last part where we get to talk and answer some of these questions. Um, I know one person asked uh, about Kim and some of the, the ministry she did down there. I'm not sure if there's some other questions that we have, but we, yeah, we would love to answer some of your questions if we can. Uh, we one of the questions able... that came in early and I, we can all chime in on this was that, uh, they're saying that, uh, you can't sing in church right now. That's a really hot, bud, top, hot buzz topic. Churches are kind of combating that. What's your thought on that, Kim? Um, I I feel like we should obey God and not man on that one. I I really feel like um, worship is our God given right. You know, we were created to worship Him, and so for the government to say like, yeah, you can get together, but you can't sing. Um, I get that they're doing that for our own protection and that they don't want to spread the virus. And obviously, you know, we don't want to spread the virus. But um, I kind of wonder if how valid that is, that singing actually spreads the virus. So um, for me, as for me, I, I, if I go to church, I'm a sing. That's one of my favorite things to do at church. So. Yeah. Anybody else want to chime in? Dustin, Odell? Well, I know they're they're saying right now that the stats are booming up, but what they don't tell you is that I was I was just talking to um I think he's a respiratory therapist. He's saying a lot of the deaths are going down, right? Even though the cases are going up. So like they, it says that the deaths have gone down by like thirty five percent or more. You know, uh don't take my word for it, you know, do your own research but there is a lot of uh, misinformation out there and whatnot but you know 
I have, like I was saying on Sunday, there's a tension between honoring the government, right, and honoring our leaders, but then ex- being able to um, honor God and do what God has said, right? And and I just think that the government has gotten really close to. Or I don't know how to how would I I would um, say this, but like there's just a certain line where I believe the government's job is to carry the sword that they're supposed to promote justice for all but when it comes to like things in society when it comes to like um, society or engineering society i'm not sure if that's their role and their responsibility to do you know especially when it comes to religious freedom because that's one of our basic rights in this country is to have religious freedom and so it's a really hard thing for me um to to understand i mean it does seem like some groups are affected by that you can spread that and so I, I just need to do a little bit more research on that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm going to go ahead and speak on it because I'm the, the other voice on this panel that I, I read these reports and I see the compassion that people speak about on this subject. But at the same time, when people got angry that the church was closed, it's like then we began to see the point what we're just talking about in community groups that the church didn't really close. It's just a, there's a building, but the real church work goes outside. And the same thing is our style of worship. You can say you can't sing in a church, but that doesn't mean that our worship stops. So I feel it's a way for us to get more creative and inventive in our, our worship process moving forward. Um, at the same time, if we, we get factual, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of the, the members on the team trying to get a reopening plan going. And I, I follow these sites where there is church after church uh, that is having to reclose down because they continued worshiping and i'm when i sing i unfortunately like spit a little bit i got I some emotion. on my back neck a couple yeah. times i got some emotion going so if i had it and i'm doing that around a, a building that's just having the centralized air moving around um I, i'd be nervous about it so that's just my point of view i believe that he the, the government's not silencing us it's a chance a chance for us to bind together to get more creative in our worship to the lord because i'm still worshiping him like there's no tomorrow in my my own way and in my own timing and i i encourage you guys to continue doing that too until we're able to physically meet together yeah i think it's important that we just figure out how to worship god beyond music i love to sing and if we were at church i wouldn't tell people they could sing because I believe, as Kim said, we we follow a God, but I don't also want to spread it to anybody. I don't want to be one of those churches or one of those peoples that are spreading those anything to anybody. And I got uh, my, my father-in-law living with me. I was just with my dad. I go see my parents. I don't want to bring them anything that's going to ever harm them. So uh, I believe that we should worship in all kinds of ways. My lifestyle should be a worship, a, a drink offering. And Paul writes that in Romans chapter 12. It's the way that I live my life. And so really critical that, you know, I, I believe Romans 13, 1 through 7 talks about respecting authority. And then there's a moment when the maybe the authority goes overboard and we got to decide how to follow that. So just know this, that I know everybody on the panel reads the word and we believe it and we're unified and we want to do the best for the community. So any uh, any other questions? Uh, you guys put it online. One of the things that were questioned is just uh, Lori was talking about having to be taught by her dad. 
after 10 years of being in ministry or teaching kids ministry that the Bible said something different. It's so, uh, if we kind of revert back to Barnett, your first question of, of women in ministry, that's kind of the title today at the beginning. Uh, it's important that we see that God uh, speaks to us that, that women have just as much power and authority and they're co-equals. And today we see two women, some of the women that we see that are leaders in the Bible and they're spoken at other places is as uh, leading churches and being a big part of church. True. <laughs> the other, another question came in is speaking about marriage and wives being created to be helpmates. Uh, anybody want to add to that? Jeff Barnett. You're going to be uh, have a helpmate at some point. Well, I always say that this says the Holy Spirit is our helper. I mean, it's not a diminutive thing. I mean, so I always say it's that, you know, you get they get to have the title of the, the Holy Spirit, you know, which is our which is our helper. Right. So I don't think it's a diminutive thing. You know, it always makes me cringe when people use the Bible in order to oppress others. Right. I do. I do believe in structure that God created structure that God created order. He's a God of order. But, you know, like Jesus says, the, the, the greatest among you will be a servant of all. So it was like not our worldly structures in the, in the sense where it's a pyramid scheme and the most powerful person's on top and the servants are on the bottom and those being oppressed, but it's supposed to be reversed, right? I mean, it talks about husbands, um, uh, dying for their wives or loving their wives like Christ loved the church and giving his life for them. So I think men are called to a really high standard when it comes to sacrifice, service, servanthood, and even dying, being able to shed your blood uh, and suffer for that person that you love. And so it's good. Kim, you're newly married. You're fresh into this. How does that work after being sidelined for a few weeks before that? Yeah, I think, um, I honestly believe that the church should be taking the lead on showing people, you know, the value of marriage and that, you know, Christ actually used marriage as a representation of him and the church. And so um, I know that we're living in a society that's rampant with divorce and those kinds of things. But I feel like God is wanting the church to rise up. And to show people what a, what marriage is supposed to be like, you know, what family is supposed to be like. And um, but yeah, it's it's definitely challenging, but I I think it's beautiful. Um, I think God also uses marriage to really expose what's in your heart and some things that need to change or need to heal in you. And then God also uses, you know you to do that in your spouse's life so it's a beautiful thing but um the other part that i like that i heard was that god god took eve out of adam's side not out of his heel you know they're supposed to be side by side and i think it's beautiful there are certain marriages that i see where you can just tell they're like they're a team and they honor each other and they work together and they complement each other and that's so beautiful. Melody just put marriage rock. She's new in marriage. Just married Taylor a couple of yeah. I don't know, 
six weeks ago. I want to tell the church right now, our church has been founded on a couple of great marriages. When we first started, Jeremy wasn't married, but he courted a woman to be married. Jeff Foss and myself were married. And there was a couple of great marriages that were the foundation of the church. And everyone that we brought in as a, a governing board also has a solid marriage. And it's really important. Dustin has got a great wife and is a great dad. And there's a great marriage there. And Jeff Barnett's getting married soon. So everybody pray. He's got, I don't know how he did it, but he, he hit a, a grand slam. Uh, God is good to people. I don't know what I did, man. I'm, I, I'm blessed, you know. Hey, Jeff, t tell, tell him that vision that you had about Jeff a couple years ago. What vision? Me? No, Jeff Rodriguez. You tell it. I tell it? Yeah. I just remember like probably a year and a half ago or something that, uh, that J-Rod was, you know, like praying and kind of like saw you as a, as a family man with kids and stuff, you know? And so it was like, it was like God was sharing his heart for you with Jeff. And so it's just fun to kind of see you move into that place of like living the dream, bro. Like seeing the fulfillment of, of uh, you becoming a, a husband and a family man. Yeah. It's exciting. It is exciting. We're, we're excited for you and congratulations to you and Vanessa. Thank you. I had to have you explain it because I forgot. I knew that's <laughs> what it was. I was like, dang it, I put him on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Any last questions? I know we're almost uh, winding down the time. so. I hope you guys have liked the new format. We're trying to get you involved. Well, hopefully you'll tell people the kind of changes that we're doing the, the message of the gospel is to be shared together. And Dustin's done a great job. I want to give him a round of applause of leading community groups. And we're trying to do church together. And we're trying to do it until we get back into a building. Yeah, high five. So, uh, Barnett, great job tonight. I mean, we're celebrating marriages. Brian Kreitz is, is cheering. Sylvia, one day, girl. Sylvia, I see you out there. I hear you, and, uh, you know, there's prophecy there. And so uh, we're excited about inter interacting with you, and I believe this is going to be a new uh, a new way for us to really grow the kingdom and make Wednesday a little different. I'll share one uh, just quick highlight from Mexico. Um, several years ago, I can't remember exactly now the timing, but um, there was a young woman who was hit by a car, um, up in Las Misiones, a, a small community where we live. And we heard about her and we went to go visit her. And when we visited her, she was laying on the ground. She was like about 16 years old, laying on the ground, kind of unable to walk. And um, had gotten a report from the doctors that she was probably never going to walk again. And we were just heartbroken. She was this beautiful young girl. and. Um, so we decided to go up there and we began to share the gospel with the family and we asked if we could pray for her. And so we, we prayed for her. Um, we didn't see like an instantaneous healing where she got up off the floor and started walking and leaping and praising God, you know, like we did in the Bible. But the exciting thing is that a, a week or so later, we went back to visit the family and she was actually standing up in front of the stove cooking. And we were astounded. 
You're like, oh my gosh, like God healed you. Like the doctor said you weren't going to walk again, but God healed your body. And um, we were actually able to lead that whole household to Christ as a result of that. Um, and so it was just a, it was a beautiful moment to see God intervene miraculously in a young girl's life um, who, you know, it could have ended very differently. But um, so it was not only healing, but salvation for an entire household. And so that was definitely a highlight um, down there in Mexico. That's like an uh, a, an act story that a whole household gets led to the Lord by a healing and a prayer that happened a couple yeah. of days earlier. Really cool. That's yeah. so awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. We've run out of time for today. I hope you guys can join us next week and, you know, uh, be able to interact with us. We just love to do that and we want to continue to do that. So spread the word and we'll see you guys soon and, and take care.